You've been lounging, lounging with Skipper. <laughs> You've been lounging, lounging with Skipper. Yo, 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 yo. I want to welcome everybody to another episode of Lounging with Skip. Um, this is a, you know, pretty interesting episode because this is my 30th episode. Wow. Yeah. Dope. So, you know. Congratulations. Um, yeah, appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sitting with Casey Bourne, right? Denver Bourne. Denver Bourne. Yes. St. Louis Rays. So both, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My parents from St. Louis had me and my youngest brother in Denver and then moved back to St. Louis when I was in high school. Okay. So St. Louis upbringing all day. St. Louis upbringing all yeah. day. Um, <laughs> yeah. Denver singer. Uh, activist. Um, actress. Um, what else? Producer. Producer. Film and TV producer. TV producer. Film and TV producer. Um, she wears so many hats, mentor. y'all. Mentor. <laughs> Risha, Risha, Risha Archibald in the building. Hey, y'all. Um, we go back to college, you know what I'm saying? Lincoln, LU. Um, <laughs> Jefferson City, Missouri, not Pennsylvania. Right. Um, HBCU. The um, real LU. <laughs> the real LU. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The real LU. Um, and... Pretty much, we both moved out here to LA, you know, at separate times. When did you move out? August 2011, so almost eight years ago. Okay. Isn't that crazy? And, and I moved out March 2010. Wait, I thought you were here way longer than me. March 2010. What? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we both, you know, kind of like struck out to, you know, chase our passion and to embark on, um, you know, our journeys in this wild world of Hollywood living in LA. Um, so you're a woman of many hats. You want to do a lot of things. Um, so how were you raised? What like what is some of your upbringing and what got you in wanting to have so many hats and wear so many hats in the world today in the adult life, in your adult life? Sure. Did this begin as when you were a little girl? It did. It How did. So? My parents, um, shout out to my parents, Reese and Sarah Archibald. <laughs> um, they were very, well, my mama was really involved in the community. Um, she wore a lot of hats. She was a teacher. Okay. And um, she, but she also was an actress. She also was a singer. Really? They, uh-huh. They both were very involved in the church. Um, my daddy um, was a, a postman, so he was a letter carrier. Um, but they always, um, you know, if we had an interest, they were like, well, let's just see how it goes, you know? So, like, we did Spanish at an early age, and I regret not sticking with it. Sticking with it. I know, especially but, living out here. Right? Oh, my God. Um, different instruments. Mm. Uh, singing, acting. Um, arts and crafts, mm-hmm. um, um, student leadership. Mm-hmm. I was the vice president of my fifth grade class mm-hmm. at my elementary school. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, they had us very involved. And then my mama, well, both of my parents are activists in their own right, but my mama was always very um, vocal about, you know, equality and you know, doing what she could to end discrimination and just things like that. Mm-hmm. So I honestly feel that um, 
growing up really propelled me for how I am now. Um, I, ju- I know how to juggle a lot of things, but that's because I've been juggling stuff my whole life. Like I was, at one time, I remember being a part of five different choirs. Um, five separate choirs. Five separate choirs. Um, at one time, on top of you know being on honor roll at school and being a you know student leader. So it's always being active. Always been since active. grade school. Since grade school. Um, junior high, same thing. Same thing. High school, same thing. High school. Even when I moved to St. Louis, you know it. And when was, you moved to St. Louis? I moved to St. Louis in uh, January of '99. Okay. Yeah. So that was your senior. That was my junior year. Junior. Of high school. Okay. Yeah, now, that, what, was, that what, was tough. How did that feel moving from Denver to St. Louis? Well, I, it was a pretty easy transition for me. Um, well, it was hard because when it was junior year, right? In in Denver, I was so involved. I was a part of two of the biggest um, choirs in the city. Um, on top of you know being involved in school um, and so many other things, NAACP. I was the treasurer of my youth and college division then. So we were extremely active. I was a basketball manager for my high school. Championship winning. Denver East. Boop, boop, go Angels. Um, But so moving in the middle of my junior year was hard. But the reason why we moved was because my mama has a disease called sarcoidosis, which is very similar to lupus. Lupus is an autoimmune disease. And it attacks major organs in your body, and so it attacked her lungs. Mm. And so she literally was down to like 89 pounds, and really? um, yeah, she's on oxygen 24 seven. She it, she literally said that the Holy Spirit told her that if she didn't move by March, she was gonna be dead. Mm. And so my daddy was like, "We moving." <laughs> so, and she always noticed that every time we would go to St. Louis, which was like two or three times a year, mm. to visit family she would feel better because the altitude was lower and the climate was more humid. Mm. Because in Denver, it's really dry and it's a higher altitude. Mm. It's a mile above sea level. So that's where they get the coin mile high city is because it's mm. a mile above sea level. Okay. So that those factors were what drove us to St. Louis, brought back to St. Louis. Uh, but St. Louis was always my second home. So I was, I was familiar with St. Louis. All my family is in St. Louis. Um, it definitely was a transition because I think I was so old. Um, but I clicked with the, the kids pretty quickly because we had the same upbringing. Okay, and you that's know? at Hazelwood Central. Hazelwood Central. Yes, Hazelwood Central. Shout out to Hazelwood Central Hawks. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to the same high school. Yeah, you know, that's, right. that's right. That's yeah. right. Um, so, yeah. I. But, I, but you know, I, I, I was some years. Yeah. Before. Yeah, 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 yeah. But still, all but still, the still same Hawks thing. love Hazel all day. Hawks. Yeah. <laughs> and um, honestly, I felt a lot of love in St. Louis because, like, I don't know, Denver. Denver is dope. I don't want to downplay Denver at all. But St. Louis is very big on like black love. And I mean, it's still very segregated, so you kind of have to be. (laughs) It's just kind of like it's either black or white. Exactly. You know, in between. Right. And but going to St. Louis, like it was love immediately, and I felt it in a way I had never really felt it before. Mm. And so I fell in love with St. Louis in that way. It was definitely a hard transition up front, and it took me about three months to really get 
used to being there without being depressed and whatnot. Now, what's the, now what was the first thing you involved yourself in? Choir. 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 Now, now, speaking of choir, mm-hmm. what, what about being a part of the choir do you enjoy? And like at that, like at such an early age, what was something significant for you where it sparked a legit, you know, like a pure interest? Yeah. For you don't want to be part of that. I love the team spirit of choirs. Okay. I love the mechanics of it. Like I. So you, I, so you were like in the church choir as I was a little in girl. Church, yeah. Well, my mama has pictures of me singing in the church choir at two. Mm. Like, I'm literally grabbing the mic. <laughs> and she told me the story of that. But, yeah, so I've been literally singing since I was, like, two years old in a choir setting. Mm. Um, and then going through school, you know, I had amazing teachers. Um, shout out to, well, my mama was my first teacher, first of all. And my mama sings, too. So a lot of my learning was through music. Mm. We did Hooked on Phonics. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if you did that. Mm. But that was music-based. And then my mama, she would sing, so like she had me and my brother harmonizing with her <laughs> at two, three, four years old. You know, so learning those mechanics of group singing. And then I remember being in elementary school, being around, you know, being in um, different choirs, and then even auditioning to be a part of different chorales for kids mm. and getting into those things. And so um, I just always loved the team spirit behind choirs. I always loved. Um, um, like learning how to blend and harmonize like I love that okay. um, be, being like a, a solo act was never like a thing for me I, it was never an interest yeah. background vocals have just always been something that I always wanted to do um, I remember like watching the Grammys or the AMAs growing up and I, or going to concerts with my parents and being like, how do you do that? Talking yeah. about the background vocals. Mm-hmm. That, so like the three or four people that's off to the side. Yeah. That's saying, like, what, how do they? Like, how yeah. do you do that? Yeah. Like, I don't want to be the one in the foreground. Yeah. Like, how do you do the background? Because gotcha. there were, I mean, the mechanics again, mm-hmm. the blending, the harmony. Like, to me, singing is better when you have more than one voice. Mm-hmm. Because when you have a tight blend, and you have some, like, some, some harmonies that are just on point. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like it's kind of orgasmic. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> like it's it's cr- like I mean you're a music person, so you get exactly what I'm mm-hmm. talking about. Like it's just man, ain't nothing like it. So so coming so so coming to Hayes with Central and, mm-hmm. and you know getting involved. Your first thing was you got involved with the choir. What right. was that like for you? Because you said since things you felt the love was different in St. Louis, and here you are now at this school. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that? feel when you finally adjusted yourself in the in the midst of that and joined the choir in in, in the school setting well, at that know, age sure like they really helped me get over my depression mm. um I remember one of the girls in my choir I remember I was crying in class one really? day because I yeah I can't remember what happened oh my high school in Denver won the championship mm. high the basketball championship okay. again shout out to Denver East High School um, and they still win the championships to this day. Shout out to Coach Carey. Um, but I was a basketball manager. And so I would have been like in the thick of that. Yeah. And so hearing about stuff like that and I'm not there, yeah. like that crushed me. You know what I'm saying? But I remember, and I can't remember her name, 
But there was this girl in my choir and she saw me like quietly crying off to the side and she like came over and consulted me. And then the next day she brought me like this little gift, mm-hmm. like just like to cheer me up. Yeah. And I'm just like, wow, like it was amazing. Um, but then again, just singing, it's like my therapy, mm-hmm. you know? And um, I, I joined the choir, um, the chamber choir, which was like a class at Central, but then I also joined the gospel choir, so that was a whole different, you know, feel, because um, I'm, I'm classically trained too, and so um, having both of those was very important to me, and so getting into getting into that and finding my way into the music scene in St. Louis. Kind of opened the doors really, for yeah. other things. Yeah. Now, now, during that time, what else were you involved in at, at Hazel Central, um, or high school? Sure, I was like a peer mediator. Um, so so it's kind of like it started yeah. to happen more, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Okay. I was a peer leader. Um, I was an ambassador. Um, what else did I do? I don't even know. Oh, yeah. A lot of stuff. But yeah. So, boom, you graduated from college. I mean, from Oh, NAACP too. I joined the St. Louis NAACP chapter because I was very involved in Denver. And then I ended up actually becoming um, Miss Missouri NAACP. Okay. Your senior senior year. Senior okay. So, you know, at, at this age, still weren't start, you know, starting to, you know, find your niche and wearing these different hats and the young, because yeah. that's your inner passions, the true passion within you, the true personality and the spirit of you as an individual yeah. was always brewing. Mm-hmm. So, you graduated from high school, yeah. then you go to college, Lincoln University, mm-hmm. and um, what was some of the first things you started to involve yourself with there again the first thing the first thing was choir okay boom it's it's crazy though too because i remember saying to myself don't join nothing Mm. first semester Mm -hmm. like get acclimated to Mm -hmm. being being by yourself Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying off at school exactly by yourself no parents right so i wanted to just take that first semester those first six months or so to really just acclimate myself to that new um Surrounding and new, you know, new way of life. I did not. (laughs) So my homegirl who went to Central with me, she ended up going to Lincoln too. We didn't plan to go together. We just ended up being there. And um, she was like, you know, um, Lincoln has a vocal ensemble and they give you stipends. I said, what? (laughs) And actually, my major at the time was music education. My minor was business. And um, so when she told me that, I was like, well, shoot, I got to get involved because if they talking about some money, I ain't going to get money on the table. So mm-hmm. let me go ahead and go audition mm-hmm. and try to get in this joint. Mm-hmm. And so I went against my initial thought and I joined the vocal. I was auditioning, got into the vocal ensemble, and that paid me, you know, some money mm-hmm. that I wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. And then um, um, I remember, like, I'm really big on talking to people who are doing what I think I want to do. Okay. Because basically it's mentorship, right? Like, I want to know from somebody who's more seasoned than me what that thing really looks like. Because based off just my skewed point of view, because I'm not in it, Mm. like, I want to talk to somebody who's really in that thing. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I switched my major to business administration and made my minor music 
because when I talked to some of the seniors who are in the music program, they're like, it's it's a dope program, but it's like a double major. I've been here seven years because I'm taking education classes and music classes. And I was like, oh, hell no. Huh? Right. I ain't trying to be in one program right. seven years. Like, right. no, like I, I can do a lot more than than that, you know, with yeah. that time. So yeah. that's when I decided to change my major, but but that's how I ended up, you know, doing okay. the choir at Lincoln. And then also being in the choir, the vocal ensemble, um, second semester, they were looking for an ambassador for um, the Student Government Association because each, each organization at the school had to have a representative as a part of the SGA. Right. And so they asked me to be that representative. So I ended up becoming um, an ambassador for the Student Government Association for the Vocal Ensemble. Okay. So definitely getting more involved than I anticipated. And then on top of that, my, um, my <clears throat> the assistant coach, the assistant head coach at my high school in Denver, he and I kept in touch. And I told him that I was going to Lincoln. He was like, oh, my roommate from college is the head coach of the basketball team at Lincoln. So if you want to be a basketball manager over there, I can put in good work for you. I was like, all right, cool. He was like, it'll pay, I'm sure. Just talk to him. And I said, okay, cool. So I hit up Coach Pope. <laughs> and he was talking shit the first day. He was like, I mean, yeah, Pearlman told me about you. So, I mean, I, I, I'm here to hear you out. But, you know, if you're not serious about this, then don't even worry about it and I was like listen coach like I wouldn't be calling you if I'm not serious mm. so if you need my help I'm down to help mm. so let me know what you want to do and he's like all right cool I'll pay you a book stipend so I got the stipend from the vocal ensemble now for um, those that don't know what's a stipend so a stipend basically is free money okay. um, um, where you do a particular job and then you get a certain allotment of money that you agree upon or, or that they can afford to, to pay you. Okay. So it's not like, um, it's not like, uh, it's not like a work study. It's not like something like that. It's something in addition to, it's something that you can just get a side hustle basically. Okay. Yeah. Kind of like a part-time job. Yeah, kind of. So to speak. Kind of. So you had, so you had two different things going on with these stipends. Yes. Okay. Yep. Now, on top of that, then you became a member of the Delta best sorority <laughs> ever in life. Delta Sigma Theta. What else is there? Incorporated. <laughs> yes. Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Um, Alpha Theta Chapter. Um, I pledged in 2000, the spring of 2002. Yeah. What 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 brought you to that fold of becoming a member and a member of a, of a sorority? Sure. So when I moved to St. Louis, um, a lot of my girlfriends who I who are like my best friends to this day, um, they were part of the Dell teams in St. Louis. So like you had the Dell teams who were like a little baby Delta group. You gotcha. had the Omega Squires and you had the Kappa Leaguers. Okay. Mm, okay. So I joined the Dell teams and my oh. brother joined the Kappa League. Okay. And so we were like, you know, do community service. Oh, so Will was in the Capitol League. He was in the Capitol League. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's an Alpha in right, the Mason. Right, right, right. <laughs> but um, and it's some people who are salty about that, but that's another story. Really? <laughs> I but he's a great, it. he's a great Alpha. Oh yeah, yeah he's a great cool. Alpha. But um, um, so <laughs> yeah, so like that was my introduction to like Greek yeah, life. Yeah. Like I had some like. Adopted aunties in Denver who were AKAs, but I really didn't know anything about black Greek organizations. 
Um, but being a part of Dell teams was so dope. And I mean, I was already very much involved in the community, but since I was in a new space in St. Louis right. and I wasn't so involved just yet, being a part of the Dell teams really like got me into the community in a different, in a different way. Okay. But the thing I loved about it was that, and shout out to Sharonica Harden, um, one of my sororers who was over the Dell teams back then. She's such a powerhouse and does so much in the community in St. Louis. But um, her and some other sororers, um, they had us and they just, they didn't push Delta on us. They didn't even talk about Delta. All they did was the service. And so when I got to Lincoln, um, I was like, you know, I'm familiar with Delta, so I really studying nothing else, you mm-hmm. know. And then when I looked at the, the history of Delta and how, like, the 22 members of AKA decided to leave because they wanted to create change mm-hmm. um, in in their in their community, not only the community, but just for our people in that time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was like, I would have been the 23rd member to leave. Mm-hmm. Because back then, we have to remember that you had to have a level of resources and finances and and, um, intellect and just, if you were college bound, you were upper echelon Negroes. Right, right, right. Right? And so for those 22 women to say, you know what, we have these resources, but there's so much more that we can be doing for our people than having tea parties with what we have to offer. And so that was extremely attractive to me because that's who I am. I, mm. My parents raised me that way. Mm. And so that's what drew me to Delta Sigma Theta. And it's funny because <laughs> I remember in Delta teams, like they would just say, you know, like it was just kind of a going thing. Not necessarily from the Deltas telling us this, but just kind of amongst each other. Like you don't talk about what you want to do mm. kind of thing. Yeah. So when I was at Lincoln, I never told the Deltas that I wanted to be a Delta. Right. They had no idea, mm-hmm. but they saw me out. They, they saw me singing the national anthem at basketball games. They saw me, you know, in the student government. They saw me doing all these things on campus. Mm-hmm. And so when I went to our rush, mm-hmm. they were like, oh, you, she want to be a doctor? Cool. So that's how I ended up, you know, um, joining the organization. But I, um, it was a lot, though, because I was so involved. And I literally had to pray about it. I'm like, God, if this is what you want me to do, like make room on my plate because honestly, I can't see where there's room. Like I'm taking, you know, 18 hours for class. I'm on, I'm on, I'm on the dean's list. Like I got basketball, you know, manager. I got the vocal ensemble. I got the gospel choir. I got the regular choir. I got student government. I have all these things going on. On top of that. On top of that, and I'm just like, listen, I like, I want to do this. But if it's not for me, like, okay, like, let your will be done. You know what I'm saying? And um, I don't remember John Key. Mm, John but Key. John Key, he's one of your fat brothers too. But he um, he was basically one of the people that really got me at Lincoln. Mm. But he was like, you know, I, you have my support. Like, but just think about it, you know. Then make sure it's what you want to do. And yeah. so I, I did. I prayed about it and all that. And now, now how, how, how was it for you... Um, because I'm noticing, like, you know, you mentioned things that, you know, about you prayed about something before you actually do. So when did you find that power of, was it like uh, that power of prayer, of knowing within your spirit of certain actions to take? When did you begin to kind of um, understand that part about you? I always did. So the fun fact about me, 
I was um, three months early, three mm-hmm. months premature. Mm-hmm. I was a pound 13 yeah, ounces I mean, I at birth. Yeah, I was too. Really? Premature See? I was, I was a pound 13 ounces at birth. A pound 13? A pound 13 ounces. Okay. And, like, the doctors didn't think I would live 24 hours. They didn't think I would be here, first of all. And then they thought that I would be, like, I would have cerebral palsy. They thought mm-hmm. I would have, like, um, coordination issues. Mm-hmm. Um... And so my parents were always very vocal about telling me, like, how six other babies died around me and I was the smallest. Like, so I always had this stark understanding that I was saved by God for a reason. And so, although I was very popular growing up, I was the good girl, quote unquote. I wasn't always the one picked for the team. You know what I'm saying? Um, unless it was like, you know, something that was work related. You know what I'm saying? But like going to some boys' house for a party. I, I was invited to parties too. But like, you know, some girls were faster than, than others. And I just wasn't that girl that people would call to go over some guy's house or do whatever. You know what I'm saying? And honestly, sometimes it'll be, it'll make me feel a kind of way. But I'm just like, you know what? I'm different. Like, it's, it's fine. Like, I felt like God was blocking me from certain things. Um, so, I honestly, and I, I like, you know how they, you know, say, you know, come to the altar, you mm-hmm. be baptized. I was 10 years old when I decided to do that. So, like, I've always known since I was a kid that I had purpose in this world. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. God didn't save me for no reason. Yeah. You know, yeah. he didn't save all of us. You know, all of yeah, us are all here. Us, all, of us, yeah. all of us have purpose. But your specific but yeah, purpose. Yeah, like you know, I that just, you feel with it, that you feel in your spirit is what is con- is a constant reminder for you to keep. You know, it's a certain connection that you have. Absolutely. With God. And then too, like with my mama um, dealing with her illness. Yeah. Like I rely heavily on God to protect her, um, because like there have been many times where she was quote unquote on her deathbed. You know, and so I really, um, I've always had a very close relationship with God. And then moving to St. Louis, that was the first time that I had to rely on God solely for myself. Because I could tell that I was depressed and I wasn't really myself. And so that was the time where I really had to dig in and not rely on God for my mama, but for me. And so I've had very early experiences you know what I'm saying? Um, having to really tap into my relationship with God. And so it's just second nature for me. You know what I'm saying? It's all I know how to do, honestly. And anytime I'm faced with any kind of difficulty or any kind of um, crossroads of uh, a situation or, or a decision I need to make, like I always see God first because that's just what I know to do. No. Graduated from college with a what? Bachelor's. Mm-hmm. Um, a bachelor's in business administration. Um, and the years went so fast. I had so much fun yeah. that I decided to stay in my master's degree. Mm. So I got an MBA in management okay. from Lincoln as well. Wow. Yeah. So we got a bachelor's, we got a master's. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you moved back to St. Louis. Actually, no, I moved. I moved to Omaha, Nebraska. Okay. For a job with the federal government working with the Veterans Affairs Healthcare System. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> All over the place. Now, you know. Yeah, and that was the first time I lived so far from home. Because, you know, of course, leaving what was, was what? What was it like living in Omaha? Uh, 
it was interesting. But it was a blessing. Like, I was there for a year. Um, um, the groups of friends I made there, because we were all implants for the most part. Um, I knew one person when I moved to Omaha. And that was my big sister, Chanel Mosley, who is a Lincoln grad as well. Um, and also my big sister, so she made me. Um, but um, I knew that through Shawnee, my that name sound real familiar. Yeah, you would know if you saw her. Mm-hmm. I knew that through Shawnee, I would be fine. Okay. Because if the one person knew was her, I was gonna know a lot of good people. Because okay. she's just she's so loved. I need to call her. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, she just she knows a lot of people. She's from Omaha originally, and um, so I was like, let's go. Like you know, I um I wanted to go back to St. Louis after graduating with mm-hmm. my master's. Um, but I just couldn't find a job. Yeah. And then I started, you know, taking interviews in mid-Missouri where I did not want to be. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna like submit to Walmart <laughs> in mid-Missouri right. for a distribution center, and I'm contemplating because they actually called me for a job in Wisconsin, Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. Ooh. I had to look it up on the map. Black Beaver people, Dam. Beaver Dam. The, black people are not even on the census. Crazy. But I was like, if I'm considering being in these places, yeah, well. I might as well just put it out there. And so I ended up talking to um, um, the career counselor at Lincoln, and he had connections over at the Veterans Affairs. I had talked to them at a, at a career fair, and he connected me with them again. And so that's how I ended up in Nebraska. And um, it was definitely an experience. Um, Nebraska definitely has more black people than we think. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was. Um, it was a learning experience. I was I was working for a lady who shall remain nameless, um, white lady. Um, I was the only black and youngest on the executive level um, working under her. She was the assistant, uh, not president, but basically if the hospital had a president, she was like the assistant. She was like the next, she was the second in command and I worked directly under her doing special projects for um, Pauline. Um, it's a, it was a process that was developed or mainly developed by Toyota um, creating or eliminating waste out of processes. Um, and so they tailored it for offices and hospitals. And so it was my duty to um, like look at a process, then figure out um, you know, where, the, where those issues lie by putting a team together um, to get their ideals on where the problems were and then creating a utopia new process doing, um, and then we do like a, a pilot to that new process and then implement that new process. Which was basically Production. Your, your way of producing. Exactly. You were producing. I was producing. Which, okay, so, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, See how it's all coming together. Right, it all comes together. Oh, so there's more. Yeah, trust me, I, yeah. You know, I bet it is. I already know it is. So, you came back from Omaha, uh-huh. came back to St. Louis. Yes. Now what were you doing? I ended up getting a job. So, three days before I left Omaha, mm-hmm. I got a job at Boeing. Okay. Doing supply chain and logistics. Okay. Now, around what year was this? That was 2007. Okay. Yeah. And I worked at Boeing for three and a half years. Mm. They had a big layoff in 2010. Mm. And um, around that time, 
I started doing background vocals for Aloha. Mm, okay. Um Reno. This was 2010. Another, 2010. Yeah. Okay. Le- Reno, another Lincoln yeah, was managing Aloha at the time. Mm. And he reached out to me about background vocals. Okay. And um, I was like, yeah, I got some people. He was like, well, do you want to audition too? I was like, well, no, I'm good. I got a lot of stuff going on. Mm. Um, but uh, but I'll let you know. I'll connect with some folks. So I connected them with my people. And then I thought about it some more. I'm like, girl, you've been wanting to do background vocals your whole life. Like, this is your opportunity. To sing for a dope artist, like, just go for it. Yeah. And so I called Reno back and I was like, you know what? I think I do want to do it. I didn't have to audition. He just trusted me. He had never heard me sing before, but he just trusted that I could do it, I guess. And then I went to the uh, the rehearsal and we killed the, the backgrounds. Was that your first time meeting Aloha? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's my first time meeting Aloha. He instantly fell in love with her. That's my sister till I die. I love her. She's such a she's such a raw talent. Um, one of the sweetest people you'll ever meet in your life. Now, what year was this? This is 2010. 2010. So right so. before I got laid off. Oh, and also before I got laid off from Boeing, I started managing an artist. Okay. So um, by the name of Carissa, we call uh, Carissa Danielle's what we call her. That's okay. her middle name. But my best friend Stacy Cade, um, who also was a St. Louis artist at one time. Um, her and her former manager, Curtis Kyers, um, they reached out to me to help them um, manage Carissa. Okay. And so I ended up pretty much doing a lot of the um, development for Carissa. Now, what do you think it is, like especially okay at that point in your life, made people, like for instance with Reno, never hearing you sing, but saying, yeah, just, just come and sing background or even for these people to have you come in and help manage their artists. What do you think it is about you that people tend to um, gravitate to that, um, you know, that gravitate to you to be able to handle those types of things on top of you taking care of the other things that you're doing in your life? What, why do you think people gravitate to you? What do you think it is? Good question. I think it's my... And especially at that time in your life. Yeah. 2010, Mm -hmm. that time. That's a really good question. Um, I think it's because I'm genuine. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because I'm out here in these streets. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm out here pounding the pavement. Like, people know what I do without even having a full understanding of what I do. Like, they know I do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, most likely, then you are capable exactly. of doing whatever they need me to do. Exactly. So, like, for instance, with Stacy and Curtis, like, Stacey's my best friend, so she, I've known her since, she went to Hazelwood Central, too. Okay. Um, and we used to sing together in choir, so she knows I sing, she knows I'm well-connected, um, and she knew that I... I knew producers and like um, writers and things like that. So she knew and, and she convinced Curtis that I'll be a good person to join their team. So, um, and then um, as far as like Reno, honestly, I feel like they were just God. Like, I really don't even know because Reno didn't, Reno didn't go to school with me. Mm-hmm. Like, I just knew Reno in passing. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I, 
I don't actually think he went to Lincoln. I think he was just up there like the dreads. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was. I don't know. I thought he went there. He was up there a lot. I don't know if he. He said he went to Alma. He may. Me personally, I never saw him walking with a book. Got you. That's just. Was he there when you were there? Yeah. Okay. Because I just remember, like, remember him from homecoming. Nah, yeah. Yeah, he was up there when he was there. So, what made you move or what made you want to decide to or think of moving to LA? Well, first of all, I always considered myself more of a, like, down south, east coast type chick. Mm -hmm. Because when I left Denver, I just, being a part of the NAACP and then also going to St. Louis all my life, Mm -hmm. I always felt like I clicked with the people. Although I did click with the people in Denver well too, I just saw a different type of Negro in the Midwest and down south and on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. And that attracted me. So I never thought that I would be this far west, Mm -hmm. ever. And then I used to have nightmares about California too, about like the big earthquakes and stuff like that. And so, so like I grew up like I ain't never, I would never move to California. And so, it's funny that that um, I even like thought about coming here. And really, the driving force was Carissa. Um, and then when I got laid off, my mentor, shout out to Gerald Haddon, my big brother, and Tammy Haddon. Um, there are two powerhouses in the music industry. I ended up meeting them through my business partner, Curtis, because we did a video shoot with Carissa out here back in 2009. And um, I remember when I got laid off, uh, uh, Gerald was like, I mean, what you gonna do? You ain't got no kids, you ain't married, you ain't got no job. Mm -hmm. If you wanna, you know, get more into the entertainment thing, you need to, you know, you need to move. New York, LA, what's it gonna be? And at the time, I was 28, and I thought about it, and I was like, you know, he's right. Like, if I'm going to do it, I should do it now. Because if I look at my life in a five-year trajectory, I'm definitely going to be married with some kids. And that's fine, because that's a goal, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? But I didn't feel like St. Louis was where I needed to be, is where I was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to just try L.A. You know, I got people there. Um, so I'm gonna try it and see what happens. And if it works, cool. If it doesn't, cool. I can always go back to St. Louis. It's no big deal. And so I told my parents that I wanted to, that I thought about moving. They supported me. And I got mad love from the city. That's the thing about St. Louis, too. Like, like we go by the show you say, like, we take that to heart. Yeah. And one thing I know about St. Louis, too, is like, it's great training ground. Yeah. But you hit a glass ceiling. Yeah. But also, like, if you get love from the city, you are then given the blessing to spread your wings. Because <laughs> right, right, if right. you're not ready, mm-hmm. then the girls gonna let you know. Yeah. That ain't it, bro. That yeah. ain't it, sis. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> they yeah. gonna let you go, like, off the strength. Mm-hmm. So the love that I was getting from everybody in St. Louis was like that thing that was like, yeah, it's time. And then also, like a couple of people, some of my elders, who I like, one's like an adopted granddaddy, and the other is my uncle. They were like, they were nervous for me moving out here, and they were really like not for it at all. And I was just like, and then I was seeing reports on like how 
the job market was terrible back in 2010 and they were talking about letting all these inmates out because the, the jails were overflowing and so it was just like a lot of negative things that were being shown in the media about LA at the time and I was like nah man I was like the enemy trying to keep me from something I was like I don't know what it is but I'm supposed to be in LA and so my daddy and I drove out Mm, so y'all drove. We drove. We took the northern route. It was beautiful. So it was just you and your dad. Yep. Wow. So how long did it take y'all to drive? It took us twenty five hours. You all went just drove straight. Nah, we stopped in Denver. Okay. We got like four hours of sleep and then got on the freeway. So, okay. So it was twenty. You said twenty five hours. Yeah, twenty five. Plus going to sleep, or that's included. Um. So it took y'all a day and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I know when I came out, we drove, me and three of my homeboys, we drove out here and they trailed me in the car. Um, it took us like three and a half days. We made it like a road trip. We stopped, we went the Southern route. We okay. went through, um, through Texas. And okay. we stayed in uh, El Paso, I mean, uh, was it Fort Worth one night? Mm-hmm. In El Paso another night. And um, as soon as we touched down in LA, the muffler on my car came off. Sparks flying on the street. Wow. But it was like, it was like God saying, well, okay. you're, you're here, you're here now. <laughs> <laughs> you here now. You're here now. You're good. We're going to figure it out. <laughs> so, boom. So, so you all drove out here. Yeah. And how was it when you finally got it? It was crazy because... Um, did, he, did he drive back? He flew back. So, actually, my parents made it a whole vacation. So, my mm. mama flew in. Got you. Because she didn't want to get in the car. She yeah, that she drive, could. That she could do that. It would have been too much for her. Mm-hmm. Her health and all that. Mm-hmm. And then, too, we ain't had room. Like, I piled my car up. Mm-hmm. My little Oldsmobile Alero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I was the only one in L.A. with an Olds Alero. For real? Yes. Mm-hmm. 2004. When I got it, it was new. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, when I got here, it was it And was it made old. it. It made it. Oh, I rode that joint until the wheels fell off. Mm-hmm. I had to, uh, It literally stopped on the freeway. In 2012. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, um, so, um, when I first got here, I was renting a room for my business partner and his wife mm-hmm. in, in, uh, Rialto. Okay. So, for those of you who don't know where Rialto is, it's like the next city over from Rancho Cucamonga, mm-hmm. where Elro and Neil used to stay yeah. on Friday. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and, and Rialto is like an hour, mm-hmm. 15 minutes or so. I think I Away from, yeah, from L.A. And so, I literally was driving to L.A. almost every day. Wow. I kept a suitcase in my car Mm. because I would crash at friends' house. Shout out to Tyron and Marquita Ford. Mm. So, I would, like, crash. I remember. I think I remember you talking about that. And so. Wow. So, you were driving an hour and 15 minutes from, this is no traffic. Right. So let there be traffic. Yeah, yeah. So, so for those that want to move to LA, understand when you come out here, she's speaking on it was an hour and 15 minutes getting where she had to go from where she lived to LA with no traffic. Mm-hmm. So if it was traffic, it would have been about a good three hours. Yeah. Somewhere between two and three. Yeah, yeah for sure. Two, two or three hours. So yeah. you were making that because you were trying to get, just like now it's you're nice here, got to get to LA. Yeah. So what was one of the first jobs that you had? One of the first jobs I had, well, actually, we'll talk about the first week. First week was lit. Mm. So, my mama and I, my mom and daddy and I, like, made it a little vacation. 
And so, because it was their first time in LA, too. So, um, so we went to Price is Right. We went on Let's Make a Deal. I actually got chosen by Wayne Brady, the producers, to be on Let's Make a Deal. And I won two TVs and a year worth of TiVo. That's back when TiVo was popping. Oh, no. <laughs> you won two TVs? Two TVs. Now, that was real. The TV right there. Really? I won that on Let's Make a Deal. Wow. <laughs> I still got that joint. Wow. It's still popping. Um, and then my first week. So the Friday before I left, Gerald called me. My brother I told you about earlier. He called me. I was at a gig. Finna go on stage doing background vocals for some folks. Because by the time I left St. Louis, I was singing backgrounds for like 10 different acts. Okay. So where he got out that I was doing, you know, my thug business. What are some of the acts you was doing background vocals? Um, Coco Soul. Um, what's Courtney Band's name? Um, uh, who else did I sing? It's been a minute. But I was singing for a lot of folks. And I was singing on the praise team at church and the choir, the main choir at church. Um, so shout out to Shalom Church, City of Peace, uh, where the pastor is, uh, and founder is Freddie James Clark. Mm. Uh, that's my that's my home church. I love y'all. I miss y'all so much. Anyway, yeah, Shalom, that sounds, that's for me. That yeah. sounds for me. Where's that located? It's in Florissant. Yeah. Florissant yeah. and Berkeley. Yeah. Yeah, it's two locations. But anyhow, so um, so Gerald hit me at my gig before I went on stage. It was like, hey, sis, you want to do a, uh, an audition when you get here? I was like, yeah. Like, do you yeah. want to audition for Melanie Fiona? I said, Hell yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, all right, cool. I'll put you in touch with the person. So I, I, get, I get right. So I'm talking to Melantha. Shout out to Melantha. That's my girl to this day. Um, um, yeah, so I got this audition. It was, a clo- it was a closed audition, so you had to know somebody. Right. So that know somebody. And this is the first of, week. This is the first week. Okay. So I had my first audition in LA. First week. Your first parents week. was here. Her parents were here. It's like, wow, okay. Yeah. Okay. So and that audition was monumental for me because it really showed me the process or one of the processes mm-hmm. when it came to background vocals in LA. And then also the people who were in that audition were all over LA. Like I literally stayed from the beginning to the end. Yeah. Just because I wanted to get a feel for everything. I wanted to talk to the people. You know what I'm saying? Producer. And so, producer. Okay. So, when I started to go out in the city, I was seeing those same people in that audition yeah. at the gigs. Like, at the Foxhole. And Jamie Foxx had Foxhole at, at, down at LA Live. Um, they were doing background vocals there. Or they were in the band. Or I would see them at church at Faithful Central or the City of Refuge. Or I would have seen them all over the place. And so that right there let me know that I was in the right circle too. Mm. But shout out to Gerald because he's the one that plugged that for me. And although I didn't get the job. The fact that like, you met, some of the, met some of those people yes. now that are involved in doing what it is that you basically came out here to be, you know, to embark on one of the things that it is that you want to do. Yeah. And by you being that person that talks talks to the people that's already doing what it is that you want to do. Exactly. Now here you are set in a central nucleus, posi- being put in a central nucleus position yes. where now you have all these seeds around you exactly. of people that you can literally now just talk to each individual one. And because people gravitate to you and because your spirit 
understands that and knows that now and the kind of person you are as a social butterfly in a sense, now you're able to expand your wings tenfold, whereas you didn't even really have that in St. Louis because you came to that glass that glass ceiling, so to speak. Now yeah. you're out here where your wings can literally fly. Yes. Now the connections really begin. Yes. And I'm friends with some of those people to this day. To this day. To this day. The first week I moved to LA. And these Negroes are killing the game. Right. Because here it is now. Almost eight years later. And everybody's leveling up. Everybody's leveling up. up. We have to level up. We have to level up. In order to live out in LA and maintain in LA consistently, you have to level up. And you have to surround yourself with people who are like-minded and like-spirited. And who are leveling up. And who are, but, but here's the thing. Like, it's important to build relationships linearly. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of times, and I think Issa Rae actually talked about this uh, recently, but a lot of times people want to go to the big wig yeah. or they want to, like, reach out to somebody that's sometimes not... a that's not attainable. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But when you find people who are doing what you do on your same level, yeah, yeah. y'all level up together. Yeah, yeah. And that's one thing I can say being here for eight years. Literally, all of my friends have leveled up, and me too. Like we've all leveled up, but we've helped each other level yeah, up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's amazing being able to drive down the street and see my friends on billboards. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like my real friends. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's amazing just being able to, you know. But to, but to those that, you know, on the outside looking in on that, they'll be like, man, that's crazy. She knows her. She knows him. They'll be like, yeah, that's some boy. Like, that's so and so. That's like, my family. Like. But it took you to move out here to be able to surround yourself with the people to take that step, yes. that leap of faith that's and believe it. In, in you know having that that guy that is leading you yes. and that you're just basically pretty much a passenger in his seat That's of it. your spirit he was able to lead you and, and, and place you in, in, in certain situations to where like he's saying constant reminder of like you know I got you I got this yeah and it kind of stems all from when you were you know the little girl you know what I'm saying from the very beginning singing in the choir and this that the third so mm-hmm. now I know since you've been living out here, you've you know you've, you've done a lot. I remember um, the one time you were what was that R&B live? I remember you had yeah, invited me out to that, yeah. um, and you were singing background. Shout out to Ted and Philippe. Yeah, yeah they used to I do forgot this. who was singing, but uh, oh, excuse me, but I know Aloha had came out here mm-hmm. to perform. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you were singing backup for that. I think you were. I did. Yeah, that's what that was. It was that night. Mm-hmm. Um. So I know at this particular point in time, what how, how has these past um, eight years have been for you I mean, living out here? And I know you've done. I know you're involved in a lot of things. Yeah. Kind of, you know, you know, like like explain some of the things that you're involved in. Sure. Um. Over the past eight years, or nearly eight years that I've been here. Um. Because you've been acting. Now, now let's get to that. Because I know I've seen you on uh. Uh, what was it? It was something I was watching on YouTube. It was called Black Boots. 
Uh-huh. You were involved in that. I saw you in that. You were like the librarian. I was the assistant to the president. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I remember I saw you on something um, where you were like the librarian. It's like a short or something like that. I don't know. Um, Probably. And, you know, been in commercials? I've done some commercials. Okay, well, I've booked like four commercials uh, in 20s. Okay. Yeah. So are you a member? So you're SAG. I am SAG. Okay. Yeah. Now, how did you go about? What made you want to become an actress? What made you want to, you know, become a member of SAG? And how did you get these bookings? And what bookings are they? Sure. So, um, again, one of the, one of the things that my parents got us involved in was acting growing up. So, my brother, my mama, and my my brother, my mama, and I would do this play called Black Nativity every year. Mm. Um. And then we did we did a whole bunch of other things as well growing up. But um, I actually stopped acting for a while. And then I was running for Miss Lincoln. And um, uh, there was this powerhouse singer named Maya White. <laughs> Shout out to Maya. She's killing the game right now. Mm. She's back in St. Louis now. But... Um, she is did, gonna, did you ever act in, in uh, Mr. Fulcher's class? I didn't, no. Okay. I didn't. I didn't do his class. Okay. I thought about it, but I never did it. I was just so busy. Mm-hmm. But um, I was like, I don't want to sing against Maya because I'm going to lose. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> she's amazing. Um, um, but I was like, you know what? Do, do a sketch or sketch or something. Mm-hmm. Do a monologue. Okay. Do a monologue. So I was like, I'm going to do a monologue. Okay. So I found this monologue and I memorized that joint, acted it out, smashed it. People, I remember people like coming up to me like months later, like that really impacted me, like that was dope. Mm. Um, and then um, in 2010, mm. um, I was like, I'm going to get back into acting because I hadn't done it in a while. And um, my homeboy, Steve, um, he, he uh, was working on a project and he was like, yo, it's this role I think you'd be dope for. He had never seen me act before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just trusted I'd do what I do. Okay. And uh, I was like, cool. And the role was, um, it, it was called uh, when, when Do You Forgive or something like that. It was okay. the name of the play. And I had to portray um, an abused ex-girlfriend. So I literally had to act like I was getting beat up mm-hmm. or whatever. And um, that role really stretched me because I ain't never been abused physically mm-hmm. by a man mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. Thank God I don't have that story like a lot of uh, women and or men do. But um, that role stretched me in a major way and I loved it and I got that acting bug again. Mm-hmm. And so when I moved here, I was just like, I'm open, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm just open. Like, I'm coming out here to do background vocals, commercials, and and voiceovers because I had experience mm. at Lincoln in radio mm. at KJLU. Yeah, 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 me too. Man. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, and so I'm like, I want to do all this. I didn't know you was at you was on KJLU. Yeah, you was on KJLU. I had my own show. Really, I did yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. Melodic Soul was my name. Really? <laughs> yeah. Mine was James Pace. Okay, mm-hmm. I like that. So I was like, you're listening to 88.9 KJLU. Uh, tuned in with James Pace. Hey. Smooth soul and R&B. Come on, James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. I was doing that. Yeah, no, I was I was melodic soul. Okay. And um, I had a jazz segment. Yeah. 
and then um, in grad school, I did it as well. Mm. And um, my segment changed to um, jazz, neo soul, and R&B. Now, when you were there, were those records downstairs? Yes. Still? Yep. Yeah, I, right. I was going down there. Anyway, um, so. You were down there? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so I start out to do everything. Because my thing is, listen, God gives us many gifts. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I want to do is leave this earth. Yeah. It has to report to him. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Risha, I gave you this gift, this gift, this mm-hmm. gift, this gift, and you ain't do nothing with it. Yeah. Off to hell you go. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. no, like he... He gave us our gifts to be blessings to the people. He didn't give them to us to hoard them. He didn't give them to us, you know, just for us. He didn't even give them to us just for him. He gave them to us to bring people to him. You know what I'm saying? And so I sought out to use all of my gifts, you know. And so um, my first background singing gig, singing gig, well, one of them. Because when I first moved here, I was losing my voice like crazy. It was mm. nuts. Like, I got allergies when I moved here. Yeah, I did, too. Because the smog was so bad. I did, too. And I have, like, I have asthma. So, mm. like, yeah, I was all jacked up. But shout out to Carla Carter, who's also from St. Mm. Louis. You know Carla. Mm. Um, she, at the time, was working with Flight Time, who's Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis's uh, label. Um, she was also signed to them and EMI, which was, at the time, the biggest publishing house back in the day. Yeah. And, um... They were looking for background vocalists to um, work with them on some gigs they had. They had a gig at the Nokia, Nokia Theater okay. before it turned to Novo, mm. right? Um, and um, also Jay, Jay Leno when it was on. Okay. And so um, I sent her some stuff that I did, and they were like, great, bring her on. So I did background vocals for Morris Day in the Time. That was my first like big gig in L.A. And... Oh man, that was like a dream come true. Like mm. I, I love more staying the time. Jerome was there. So it, the album was called The Original Seven. That's right. Yeah, I remember that. This was like 2012. This was 2011. Mm, okay. I it was my first few months okay. of being here, mm. and um, <clears throat> um, yeah, because they couldn't use the actual name the time because Prince so owned it. Prince owned the time. The name. Yep. Mm. Which was kind of messed up because. The same thing happened to him with his label. When That's why he became the symbol, the symbol. Because they wouldn't release his name. Yeah. So I'm like, girl, why would you do that? When you know how that feels. You know what I'm saying? But it is what it is. Yeah. But anyhow, that was an amazing experience. Um, I became SAG because... Um, well, back then, AFTRA, which is the American Federation of Radio and Television Association... They were a separate entity from the Screen Actors Guild, which is SAG, okay? Um, when I first moved here, again, I was seeking the advice of people who've been in the industry, and people kept telling me, you need to join AFTRA, because at the time I was looking to do background vocals on like The Voice or like American Idol or whatever, and they were like, those shows are a part of AFTRA. And so they were like, you need to join AFTRA so you can like get into that network. And so... I was like, cool. And so I started doing research on AFTRA because I never heard of it. I heard of SAG, but I never heard of AFTRA. So I was doing research. And there was a lot of articles out there about how SAG and AFTRA were in negotiations to become one union. Mm-hmm. So they were talking about merging. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, dang, I need to find somebody who can like, 
tell me if this is going to happen or not because I don't want to pay to get into AFTRA because back then you could pay in buy into AFTRA. Mm. With SAG, you had to get vouchers and then get and then pay into it as well, mm. which was more difficult. Mm. And so um, I was like, I need to figure out how to pay for AFTRA, but I want to pay for AFTRA if I'm going to be paying double for no reason. Mm. And so I was like, I need to find somebody who works at AFTRA. I went to go visit my homeboy who was a barber. Mm. I go upstairs to where he is, and the dude in his chair, shout out to David, worked at AFTRA. <laughs> Ain't that crazy? Yeah. It's God, though. It's God. God. And he's gonna say that's crazy. I'll be like, it's yeah. God. It's God. Yeah. So I was like, man, I've been looking for somebody to. So I was like, bruh, like, what's happening? Like, is this gonna go or not? He was like, he's like, I can't really talk about this, but go ahead and like join AFTRA because what's gonna happen is if once they merge, everybody in AFTRA is gonna be grandfathered into SAG and everybody in SAG is gonna be grandfathered into AFTRA because it'll be one union. Mm. I said, oh. I think that I remember when you you was telling me about that back then too. I probably told you yeah. to jump on yeah, it. Yeah, you did. I told a whole bunch of y'all. You did to go ahead and join after. If you but I did. guess for me at that time I was like, oh, why would I do it? Right, right. But now looking at it, I mean that that involves voiceovers. Yeah. That's how I would get paid if I, which I still you know yeah. like get into doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, the union ain't going nowhere. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's been here for a long time. Exactly. They like they do a lot of good work too. But um so I joined AFTRA and I, I called my dad I was like, Daddy <laughs> Can I borrow this seventeen hundred dollars real quick? <laughs> He's like, Yeah, baby girl, I got you. And so uh you know Yeah, seventeen hundred. And that's that's cheap in comparison to what it is now. Because I think now to join SAG or the to join the union, I think it's like thirty four hundred, and you got to get the three vouchers. So they they adopted the SAG way of handling business. Yeah, you can't buy into it anymore. So that was amazing. Like so that's how I got into SAG. I was grandfathered in. Yeah, and I've been a part of the Screen Actors Guild or the union since since twenty twelve. Yeah, and I'm so glad I did it because. I mean, the commercials that I do, even commercial background work that I've done, mm. I get a SAG rate, and those SAG rates are good. Mm. So what commercials have you done? I, um... Have they been, like, aired on TV? Yeah. Like, like, mm-hmm. okay. So, um, the first commercial I booked was, um, a Chobani commercial. Okay. It was a singing, singing audition. Don't tell me you were singing. You were I singing. Was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it was directed by Michelle Gondry, mm-hmm. who is an Oscar-winning director. He um he directed. Oh gosh, what's the name of that movie with Jim Carrey? I can't think. Oh. The Cable Guy. No, it's um it was a quirky movie. <laughs> all, um, all Jim Carrey movies are quirky. You're right. But this was super. Liar, quirky. liars. No. I can't think of it. What's it? Um, no, it was none of those. Mm-hmm. It was the I'll have to look it up. But Michelle Gondry is well known. Okay. And he actually directed the one of the latest projects that Jim Carrey has done, like I think this past year. Like a series type of Yes. Okay. Um, Michelle Gondry directed that too. Okay. And so Michelle Gondry directed the commer- the first commercial I booked. Okay. Um then I, I booked um um a Toyota Corolla commercial. I think I remember I seen you posting one of those yeah. posting that video. Yeah. 
And then um, I do commercial background work with this company called Idell James. And um, I, there were two commercials I got bumped up to principal on. So I ended up getting, you know, a main role in those so, so tell me this. How do you feel when you see yourself on TV? Like, have you seen yourself in the commercials on TV? Mm-hmm. You have? Yeah. And what did that feel like? What it feels feel? great. Yeah. It feels great. Yeah, I mean, even the little sketches I do mm-hmm. with, I want to say little sketches. The sketches I do with my my. That's right, because you because Yeah, because you was Jai. on who? On who? On, um, yeah, they're uh, on YouTube. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, you was on the uh, Big Jock. Yep. Yeah, I seen you on that one. Yeah, mm-hmm. I saw you on that one. And Ken Elwin. Who's which one is that? That's the one I with the guy, the, the guy with the glasses. Yeah, the guy with the glasses. Yeah. 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 So yeah. like, but yeah, I, I like seeing myself on camera. Yeah. I enjoy it. Those man, those videos be picking up views. They do be. They be getting views. They do. They really do. It's it's funny because I'll get messages from all over the country for real? fans that see them like. My cousin in Denver, he was like, Nick, mm-hmm. I just saw you in this video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, people just be hitting me from all over the country. Like, I just saw you in this video. So, tell me this. Where do you see yourself in the next uh, 10 years? Mm. Married. <laughs> two kids. Mm. Um, and producing. Filming TV. No, okay, that's what I want to get at. So, you work with Chael. Chael yes, Coker. Chael Coker. How'd you run across him? So, um, um, my mentor, um, Charles Murray, um, was an executive producer on Luke Cage. Okay. And they were looking for an assistant to the showrunner of Luke Cage. And so, Charles hit me. Ran, I, like, I got a random text message from him talking about, send me your resume. I didn't even ask no questions. I just sent it. Mm-hmm. And the next day, I had an email from Marvel saying we would love for you to come in. We got your information from Charles Murray. Um, um, we would love for you to come and interview with... Uh, we would love for you to come in for an interview with the showrunner of Luke Cage, Chael Hadari Coker. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, great. And I didn't even know what the job was for because mm-hmm. they, did, they didn't list it in the email. So I was like, yeah, I'm available at the time or whatever. And so, um, you know, thank you. And then I emailed them back and I was like, hey, what is the position for it? And they said, the assistant to the showrunner. I said, okay, great. So I went in for the interview. And it was literally like a 20-minute conversation. Mm-hmm. It was a Skype interview because Chael um, doesn't live in L.A. anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just an easy breezy just conversation with him. He was great. And um, um, I got the job. I got the job. And I've been working with Chael for the past year and change. It it was a year May 1st. Um, After Luke Cage got canceled, um, Chael reached out and was like, hey, have you found another job yet? And I was like, no. He was like, well, I'm going to keep you. And I'll pay you what Marvel was paying you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God. Like, who does that? Like, Chael is... Yeah, I know he does, yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. don't want to put this out, but like... Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. Like, I, he's just an I'll angel. Check, yeah, no, Chael is dope. He's, he's such always, a good brother. He's always been a good guy. And then for you to know him... Yeah. That was not like... what? Like, yeah. it's so crazy because when he needed that haircut, he was like... Do you know any any people who cut hair? Cause I need to get a haircut for this interview, and I'm like, yeah, my brother, like he's dark barber from St. Louis. He's like, it wasn't having to be Jason Pettis, but I'm like, what? How you know Jason? Like, what? The, what? He was like, you know everybody. I'm like, oh my god, this is crazy. Like, what the hell? Yeah. That's so. 
oh. insane. And then for the characters to be based off of you and the and the guys you you know were in the yeah, barbershop yeah, with. Yeah, the and he guy. literally said like one yeah, of the characters is based off of Skip. Yeah. I'm like, that's crazy. I don't even think he know that. That's craziness. <laughs> craziness. That's crazy. And then when he when he confirmed and told me, I was like That's nuts, man. Word. Crazy. But but that goes to show like you never know who's paying attention. Mm-hmm. You never know, you know, how this one scenario over here can change to another scenario over here. Mm-hmm. You just never know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And honestly, like when I when I got approached about the assistant job, I was a little nervous. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think I even told him this. Mm-hmm. But like I was nervous because I'm so busy. Mm-hmm. I'm like I can hardly keep up with my own damn schedule, so let alone somebody else's life. Right. Right. You know. Um, but he's but just, you it. Yeah, he's just I handled so cool. it and he's just so easy to work with. Yeah. You know, I've heard some horror stories about assistants yeah. and all, you know, them dealing with people. And I That's not my story. Mm-hmm. Like, Chael's just amazing and I'm just really grateful. But in, but I, I remember um, a little bit before Luke Cage got canceled, I remember sitting in the office, the production office, and I was like, or the writer's room, and I was like, God, what am I doing here? Like, what is this for? And what came to me was Chael needed to know me. Mm. Like he needed to know that I had his back. He needed to know that I was loyal. He needed to know that I was resourceful. He needed to know I existed. And that was it. And when when he um when he kept me on, he was like, I don't see you as my assistant long term. He said, I know you produce. I know you're on the music side of things. He said, so I see you as a, a potential partner mm. more than anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow. Like, and he said that months ago. Yeah. And just the other day, I was talking to him, catching up and making sure he was good on some things. And he was like, my goal is to get you producing. Mm. And he now has a three-year deal with Amazon. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And he's going to be producing his own content. And so... To know that I have an advocate like that, like that's priceless. Yeah, because um, we're gonna, we, we, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, because I have something to say to that and wraps all that into yeah. one big thing. So tell me this about the um, when you was teaching. Well, what you brought me on board um, for the HBCU to talk to the, the high school students at Crenshaw. Yeah. Yeah. How did you go about? getting that together and what and what is that 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 called sure so um um i had this speaker series called the nourishment and i partnered with um one of the more known schools in la crenshaw high school and i've developed that relationship there because um i used to work at nbc universal um and i was over community outreach for the black employee network there mm-hmm. and so it was my duty to create um initiatives and different events surrounded around community outreach for our employee base who was a part of our group and so they already had a relationship with Crenshaw High School Mm -hmm. shout out to Maynard Brown who is um he just everything to me yeah that was a guy that was there yeah 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. he was a Black Panther too Mm -hmm. like so he's he's about that life Mm -hmm. like um but he and I just really um we really clicked Mm -hmm. And even after I left Universal um, Pictures, we maintained 
our relationship and um, I, he actually brought me on as a mentor for his foundation, the Gordon Brown Foundation. And so I'm also on the board of that organization as well as a mentor. But um, I had this idea before I left Universal to um, do this speaker series because I know so many dope people out here in LA in different industries and I'm so big on mentorship and really um, and in youth, I love the kids. Like, reach love the kids. Mm. <laughs> like, I have such a passion for our children. And one thing I know for sure about kids in those rough environments, one, people don't come to them. Two, a lot of times they feel like they have to be a product of their, of their environment. And that's a lie. Mm. And I want to show them something different. I want to bring the people to them and let them know we care about y'all. Um, and the goal basically is to bring people from various industries to talk about who we are, what we do, how we got there, um, the environments we grew up in or our parents grew up in. Because although I didn't grow up in the hood, my parents did. You know what I'm saying? So I have my sensibilities and my street smarts and all that from my parents because they grew up in that. So I can relate to somebody who grew up in the hood even though I don't grow up there. You know what I'm saying? So, um... I call it the nourishment because we're feeding the kids mind, body, and spirit. We're feeding their minds because we're bringing people in who can enlighten them on different opportunities or just different outlooks and perspectives on life. We're feeding them physically. Um, Maynard Brown um, has a budget where we bring in um, food for the kids. Um, and then another component of that too is that I want to um, devote different episodes, various episodes to um, nutrition because well, I was a substitute teacher in between projects um, for a year and a half mm -hmm. before I got the Luke Cage job and then working for Chael full time um, and so I had a I had a frontline view mm -hmm. on how they treat our kids in these schools right. the food is garbage mm -hmm. it's terrible and they feed prison, prison it is it is Jason like it really is mm -hmm. and so um I wanted to bring in chefs to give tutorials on how to make simple meals that are nutritious but that are made with things that are in their cabinets. Because a lot of times the only meal these kids eat is the one they eat at school. Um, a lot of times the parents aren't involved so they, when they do go home the parents aren't there or the parents are working late so they go and get noodles or whatever. And so I want to you know, use the traditional things that people normally have in their cabinets to say, hey, here are some different ways you can make nutritious meals with what you have already in your cabinet. Um, and then we're feeding them spiritually. You know, everybody that I've brought on so far has yeah. been has a, has had a spiritual base. And I and I I very much appreciate the fact that you thought of me Absolutely. to bring me there to be able to talk to the kids. And it's interesting because after that day, mm -hmm. I felt inspired to want to do more of that. Awesome. And I was just like, well, I was, I was like, all these schools need these types of conversations to have. They do. You know, so it's kind of like, what if, what if it was like a, uh, a school tour, you know? Yeah, that's a good up, idea. Get up to different schools in the inner city to be able to talk to the graduating seniors about HBCUs and getting them you know, finding interest in college and, you know, yeah. life after this. Yeah. Being in 12th grade. Now good idea. That's a good idea. That's a really good idea. 
that's something that's doable, right. you know. But it was important for me for the first episode. So it's a taped episode. Mm-hmm. So um, not only did I want people to come in to talk to the kids, I also wanted the kids to have hands-on experience on producing the show. Yes. And so the, it, there are literally students behind the camera. There are students running the sound. There are students putting up the lighting. There are students setting up the room. There are students moderating the panel. And so I wanted the kids to be involved in the creation of this production because that's exactly what it is. Um, And it was important for me to have the first episode to be um, HBCU alums behind the scenes in entertainment because um, I wanted to really highlight HBCUs because there's a there are stigmas and myths about how HBCUs don't prepare you for real life when I think that that's exactly what they do Um, um, HBCUs just across the board nurture their students whether they're black or other Mm -hmm. in ways that no other university does you know and for our people for for our people you know um and so just being able to bring you all in, I, I, like, I cannot thank you enough yeah, no, for, for coming to share because, you know, I wanted to also talk about behind the scenes in entertainment because I think that so many times we see people the people in the, in the foreground, and but we don't really know, like, if you cut hair, if you dope at cutting hair when you were in high school, you can go be like Skip and go cut somebody hair on set. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wanted them to understand that there are so many, I'm a producer, like, those kids, Produce that show. You guys are getting hands-on experience on what I had to learn, mm-hmm. like as an adult. Yeah. So yeah. And that that's that that is what has led me to producing this podcast because you know instead of talking to the people that are in the front all the time, mm-hmm. we need we need to talk to the people that are behind the scenes because everybody has a story and there's people around the world that just like yourself that are looking at the person on stage and says you know what I don't want to be that person but I want to be that there's a million girls little girls right now looking at Beyonce looking at Rihanna looking at SZA looking at all these female artists and male artists too that have background singers in the back and they want to stand there and be that just like you know you did when you were a little kid mm-hmm. so there's a million little reaches out there in the world right now hopefully you know listening to this will end up listening to this podcast or somebody who they know because my podcast won't die my podcast lives because my podcast deals with one's journey and it's not a trend trends die but journeys live forever so um, that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast to be able to have conversations with people that are behind the scenes that are still impactful to those um, you know that want to be that which leads me to just saying you know I appreciate us being able to have this conversation um, and just to kind of like you know it's one of those things where and I asked the question earlier. I said, "Where do you see yourself in five to ten years?" But oh, then yeah. this, but 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 the spirit spoke to me and says this just now. And I've been thinking about this, but it just kind of stood out to me and said, "It's not about me asking you where do you see yourself in the future because you know the future isn't promised. 
Right. And we can't look behind us too long and think about our past. Right. We have to enjoy the present, yes. which is now, which is the gift of life. And that's yes. why it's a present. So in this present moment, in this present time right now, yeah. we're sitting here having this conversation about your life and your journey. And that's what matters the most. It's, 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 I love that you said that. I, when I was at home um, for Mother's Day, um, I told my mama, I said, I am the happiest I've been in my life. And that feels really good to say. I love where I live location-wise. I love my home. I love the work that I'm doing. I love the work that the, the people I'm doing the work with. Um, my finances are in the best place they've ever been in. And I'm do the finances are coming, but I'm doing work that I love. You know, and it's just it's nothing but God. It's nothing but it's nothing but it's nothing but God. Like, you know, me singing with Kanye right now, like Yeah. That Talk was, about how did, how did that come about? So you sing you sing the background of um his uh Sunday service. Yeah, talk about that. Yeah, no, like it's crazy because I literally at the bottom of the year, last year, twenty eighteen, I uh I was like, I miss singing in the choir because I don't go to a church out here anymore. Church is interesting in LA. Um, so I shout out to Pastor T. Jakes uh, online ministries and uh, Freddie James Clark and Shalom in St. Louis. God, that's where I get my word. But um, I miss singing in the choir because I'm a choir girl. That's what I do. And then I saw uh, this um, Instagram post from this gentleman named Jason White, who's a vocal con- vocal contractor out here in LA. And I've done a lot of work with him over the years. And I was like, dang, I ain't sang with Jason in like a year. I miss singing with Jason. Like I need to. Figure out how to get back on their radar. I don't even know how I fell off. I need to get back on there. And literally, like three days later, I get this random text. A-list artist. Um, this is the rate. These these are the dates. Can you do it? Tell me now. Directly to you? Directly to me. Oh, come on. From I him? Yeah. From Jason. Because Jason got the call to do this yeah. Sunday service thing from Kanye. And boom. So and I was like, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. And I didn't know. I didn't. I, when I said yes, I didn't know it was Kanye. Yeah. All he said was a list artist. Mm-hmm. But I know that whatever Jason gets, mm-hmm. it's something that God gave him. Mm-hmm. And I know it's on the up and up. He's mm-hmm. a man full of integrity. Mm-hmm. And so I trust him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And if he's reaching out for me, yeah. you don't say no to Jason White. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you can if you want to. Yeah. But I don't want to risk not being called again. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to say, if I'm available to do it, I'm doing that much. And so we've been, today we sing, sing with Kanye. This was the 26th week that we've sung with him. And it's been nothing short of a blessing. Like, people have been here, including Kanye, has been healed. Like, it's been so much joy. Everybody's smiling. It's just so much love in the room. It's like an hour of praise and worship, basically. Mm. So it's just singing. And then somebody will give an inspirational word mm. or, you know, just some encouragement or whatever. So it's no sermon, per se. But it's just, it's beyond the four walls of a church. Mm. We're singing to people who 
has never stepped foot in a church mm-hmm. or who hasn't stepped foot in a church in a while mm-hmm. or has. Mm-hmm. You know, we did Coachella. That was amazing. Like, people have said over and over again, like, actually, one of the PAs who was doing um, one of the, the things that we sang at recently, um, she was like, I think I just had a spiritual awakening. Mm-hmm. You know, or it was another testimony where somebody was like, I'm an atheist, but I need a Bible right now. Mm. Or like, um, I felt something like you guys made me cry, and I felt something that I've never heard before, so I had to leave. Or that I've never felt before, so I had to leave. Mm. People are experiencing the Holy Spirit for the first time in their lives, mm. and it's because Kanye, because Kanye's been obedient to the call that God gave him, mm. and so to be a part of that. It's like God's kind of. It's like. He's, he's feeling something within himself that God has been trying to show him. And sometimes as musicians, as artists, we we tend to feel like we have, we're getting that calling, but we want to do things on our own time. Yeah. I and mean, sometimes that do things on our own time, which is good, but we don't, we don't we're, we're missing out on what it could be that God wanted us to do. Yeah. And I think that the reason why he's doing that like you said, is because that's been on his spirit, and then by him going through the things that he's been going through, it's like you know God begins to break you down yes. to where He reveals the true people around you yep. and brings your spirit to where you become even more aware, yes. and then you become looked upon as weird or that boy crazy whatever the case may be but really you're saying what it is your spirit is telling you to speak yes because the spirit has the spirit doesn't have any limitation to how you feel mm-hmm. and if you feel then you should be able to express yes and if you should be able to express if you can't express then you're not being an artist right us as artists have to express and we have to express to those even if it comes out weird, right. you have to understand it. And I think that a lot of people that trip off of him like that are not understanding expression. Right. And they're not understanding um, the, the grace of God and the love of God. You know, I think that a lot of times Christians, you know, or just said they're spiritual even you know they're so quick to condemn mm-hmm. and it's like you know we have to love each other through our stuff nobody's perfect god can use anybody he wants to and i think that people are so quick to be like oh you know god you know use saul and turn him into paul and he used moses and he used gideon and he used all these characters in the bible but we are those characters. Mm. People want to look at the, the past. Now. Nobody is perfect. Yeah. We all are, are, are being used by God's grace mm-hmm. and mercy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so to be a part of, of this groundbreaking way of really expressing God's love mm-hmm. is I'm just so grateful. Um because this was that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. We were placed on this earth Just to exactly exude the love of God. Period. And for us to do anything else or for us to try to condemn one for doing that, 
what does it say about you? Mm-hmm. And I want to I want to say this. Can I pause for a second? I need this back. Okay. Two seconds. Two. One minute. <laughs> to wrap things up. Mm-hmm. Um, one second. You were just speaking about something. You just said something. Um, what was the last thing you said? I was talking about uh, how we should, how we're put on the earth to exude love. Okay. So to conclude things, to wrap things up um, on how, you know, we're put on this earth to exude love. Um, you know, it's, we also have to, we're put on this earth to realize that we're here as spirits and gifts from God yeah. to um, leave when, when it's time for us to leave, that we're, we're, we, we're, le- we're leaving something positive and everlasting for those that are still here yes. that can remember us and, you know, while their remaining time on earth is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's what keeps the love of that person who, you know, um, you know, has passed on, things like that, um, alive, their spirit alive. It keeps their, them alive. It keeps, you know, positive and positivity flowing. And it's, that's why they say it's good to, you know, show, you know, what's it to um, give you roses while you're alive. While you're alive. Yeah. And, you know, I just wanted to pretty much, you know, do this podcast, do this episode to you to like just give you roses. Aww. And for others that, you know, feel the same way, you know Thank what I'm saying? You. Because you are a very impactful woman. And I felt it in my spirit to really have a conversation and just to, um, you know, just to let you know that I see you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I've been seeing you, but that I see you. And I know that others out and others out there see you as well. More people than you can even imagine. People that don't even know you, but have heard of you, see you. And for me to go to this event, you know, before I came here, and there's two guys there that don't know each other, but they know you. That was a confirmation because when I was speaking to them, I said, yeah, I'm about to go interview her. That was a confirmation for me, letting me know you need to get over there and do that interview. Uh, you know what I mean? I mean, you know, certain things like that don't just happen. Right. It's not coincidences. I don't think in life it's a coincidence. I think yeah, life, life is a, a play. Our individual lives are our individual plays. Mm-hmm. We have people that come in and out of our lives. There's people that exit stage left and someone enters stage right. Mm-hmm. And they stay for a little minute. They move the furniture around move room for the next scene. You know, you got the crew that comes in. They move the scene around while the intermission is happening. Mm-hmm. But the same players come out and continue on 
You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how life is. Yeah. So I just wanted to actually come through here and get a glimpse into your life and to be able to um, uh, 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 put a microscope on it so others can actually get an actual glimpse into your life to really see what's behind, you know what I'm saying, the person of Risha, but actually to hear the spirit. So that's why I wanted to come uh, over here and, and, and talk with you. Thank you, Skip. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. that so much. And I appreciate the fact of, you you know, you lounging with me, you know what I'm saying? Uh, can, how can people reach you or anything um, like that? If they want to, you know, get in contact with you to maybe for mentorship or any, you know, anything they want to get in contact sure. with, how can they reach you? My Instagram is um, at Risha LA. Um, th- those are my, LA is my initials. I'm not being Hollywood. That's my disclaimer. <laughs> But it's R-E-E-S-H-A-L-A. Um, Risha Archibald on Facebook. I'm not on Facebook often, though. Yeah, we're going to say um, more for the Instagram. Yeah, Instagram is good. Instagram? Yeah, just yeah. like... I'll, I'll, make, I'll make sure I put it in the, in the description. So cool. Yeah, yeah. Hit me on there. Like, you know, maybe um, I'm terrible at checking those little messages. Not the main messages, but like, like if I don't follow you, you don't follow me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like some little hidden note. Like yeah, in the DMs. Yeah, it's yeah, in the like, DMs. Yeah. I don't even, I don't check that. Okay. So like, find a picture or like, whatever you know, skip um, post, like respond on that, mm-hmm. and then I'll find you that way. That 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 works for me. Is there any advice you want to give someone out there that you know may want to you know, follow their dreams, passion? Absolutely. Like one of the things that I've held on to that I I share with people all the time it's something that my oldest brother told me shout out to gregory evans the best big brother a girl could ever ask for (laughs) (laughs) um killing the game in dc um he said when i was when i was looking for jobs when i was leaving omaha nebraska and trying to get back to st louis he said if you see something out there that you think you you can do go for it don't you disqualify yourself. He said, if you think you can, you can do it, you can. Mm-hmm. You t- you let them tell you you're not qualified. Yeah. You don't disqualify yourself. Mm-hmm. So I want to give that to the people because I think a lot of times we can talk ourselves out of things mm-hmm. because we feel like we're not quote-unquote qualified. Yeah. But one thing about God is that he qualifies the unqualified. Mm-hmm. The way that I'm able to produce film and TV is not because I've been doing this my whole life and I went to film school for it. It's because there have been people around, like along the way, who have um, shown me what to do. Um, Also, like you were saying earlier, how my lean experience was production. Not only was my lean experience production, but the supply chain logistics work that I did with Boeing and NBC Universal, that's production. You know, they're just different terms for different things. So another thing I will say is figure out what you know how to do well naturally, because that typically is what you're supposed to do yeah. in your life. Yeah. Also, figure out how the skills you have in one area transfer to something else. Because, like I said, the the lean experience, the the supply chain logistics, the event planning experience I have, that's all production, just in different ways. And then also, um, 
I, I didn't mention this, but I also um, am, am a creative exec with um, Cedric the Entertainer and his business partner, Eric Rose Production Company, A Bird and a Bear Entertainment. And it's my job to find content. Um, so if you have some dope stuff out there, hit me up. Because yeah. I'm looking. Yeah. We're looking. Yeah. Um, they have a deal with CBS right now. Um, but we, I mean, aside from that, we're, we're looking to do what we need to do to sell some stuff. But um, I said that to say, like, I have a heart for people. Like, I, I, I'm grateful that I'm in positions to where I can help people. Um, it's just another part of who I am. And so that's another thing I think that is a thing that draws people to me mm. is that I'm genuine mm. and I have a heart for people. And people can and that's sense not, that. That's not real common out here. Yeah, people can sense that, yeah, yeah. you know. And so I say just be who you are. If you feel like God's telling you to do something, do it right then. The reason why I got this TV hanging on my wall right now mm. The reason why I had that audition the first week I got here was because when God said go, I dipped. Yeah. I didn't wait. You know what I'm saying? So if you're feeling like God is telling you to make a move, bust that move. Bust a move. Bust a move, man. And be about your business. Show up. You know, be genuine. Yeah. You know, be about your business. Do what you say you're going to do. Be consistent. You know? Those are all things I would say. Hone your craft. Hone your craft where you are first. Mm-hmm. People say, oh, I don't think I'm going to move to L.A. Did you hit your glass ceiling yet? Yeah. Because you hit yours. I hit mine yeah, in St. Louis. Yeah. You love St. Louis. Mm-hmm. We hit that glass ceiling. And once you hit that, that's when you know it's time to go. Because you've exhausted all your resources. Yeah. Yeah. You've exhausted the work that you can do. So that's the telltale sign. It's time to go. But before you do that, make sure you plant some good roots where you're at. And also, build connections to where your next move is. I was building my relationships from St. Louis. The reason why I know Gerald and Tammy is because I met them when I was visiting here through Curtis. But I built, I maintained that relationship while I was in St. Louis. So therefore, they knew I wasn't reaching out out to them because I wanted something from them. I was reaching out to them because I... I genuinely was attracted to them and they were wise and I sought their advice. It wasn't like, oh, can you give me a gig kind of thing. Right. It was like, hey, what's your perspective on this thing? You know what I'm saying? So build relationships, be genuine. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Marisha, I appreciate you. I thank you. Thanks, Gib. Thank I appreciate you, you man. Thank you so much. For sure. So, oh yeah, and also about this being episode 30. So this is yes. uh, my 30th episode. So I'm glad to have had you on. Ah, thank you. So until next time, I want everybody, you can hit up um, the Instagram at Lounging with Skip Podcast. And you can reach out to me from there. And uh, until next time, peace. Peace.